Welcome to church. Stand with me. We're going to spend some time singing about God's love. We're going to sing a couple of Christmas carols. It is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and I'm glad that you're with us. Jesus, I pray that you'll be with us in this moment. Um, God, I, I don't even pray that your spirit is here would come because I know that your spirit's already here. So move in our hearts, move in our minds, change as we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.
if my heart is overwhelmed, if my heart is overwhelmed, and I cannot hear your voice, I hold on to what is true, though I cannot see. And if the storms of life they come, and the road ahead gets Ready for some Christmas songs? Oh my, I'm not. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to let you in on a little something. So I try to have my music memorized every week, and 
But there are songs, and then there's a level of difficulty with some songs that's like here. And then there are hymns that are this difficult, and then you get the like the worst of the worst as far as difficulty, and that's Christmas and Easter carols and hymns. And they're like way up here, and so forgive me, I've got music, and we're going to try to get through this. But these songs are so rich in theology and so great in their message, and so... Um, let's sing these together and uh, as we celebrate this Advent season.
How many of you have witnessed an abundance of Christmas cheer everywhere around here this week? A few of you. I have witnessed quite the opposite, honestly. Uh, I was getting gas at. Anybody get gas at like BJ's or Sam's because it's cheaper? Any of you ever regret that when you get there and that line is 90 cars long? Man, I heard the greatest outburst of cursing in my entire life in the BJ's line. Man, that guy, it was amazing. Uh, I learned all kinds of new things. Uh, as he talked about, I, who knows what he was upset about. Um, this is a really, really tough time. As we sing about Jesus being joy and love and hope and all this, I was like, man, this place is so much worse the last two weeks. Something is happening I think the evil one is, is, is coming in and just saying, forget this. I'm going to make life as hard as possible for you, make you depressed and angry and everything else, and then you'll just forget about that message. Um, but the thing is, 
this is where we really start to celebrate joy and hope. I like Christmas because to me it's like a, it's like the kickoff, and that that culminates with the risen Savior at Easter. But I want to pray this morning that we would just really bask in Jesus, that we would let Him just just do something opposite than what a long line at the gas station does to us. Um, and we, there's still some hurt, Miss Janice. I know her sister's in the hospital right now. So we want to pray for her and for you, as, as that's a struggle in this time of the year. Um, you have other great times. You've got a, a first Christmas coming up for a little one there. There are some points that are just memorable. So let's just, let's just turn and let God speak to us as he just gives us hope unlike any other. Father, we praise you. We come to you, honestly, we come to you uh, with, with a lot of expectations. I'm not sure if that's right or wrong, Lord. But we know what you are capable of. And help us as we doubt and as we fear, as we're not satisfied, to just rest in you and know that you are the one that we've waited for. You are the one that we've been searching for. You are the one that fills in that that hole of, of missing whatever it is in our life that we didn't even know we needed for a long time. I pray that this season is really one where we say thank you, God, for coming and loving us in a way that doesn't even make sense. But we know that through this there is salvation. All the things that bother us, all the things that we would say conquer us, all the things that defeat us, you are salvation from that, Lord. Send us all the reminders we can get because it is a, the evil one is, is, is hard at work right now trying to distract us. And Lord, I want to lift up Miss um, Janice here and her sister as she is struggling, worrying, hurt as her sister hurts in the hospital. But Lord, we pray for miraculous healing in, in this woman's life. We pray that your power, which supersedes any power, we could ever imagine would do the healing work that only you can do. But give Janice comfort as she waits with great expectations for your love to come through. And Lord, we pray for our city, our region, our county, our country, the world, as we just want your name to be known and that your kingdom would come and that peace on earth would truly be made possible as it can only be made possible by you, Father. We praise you. We praise you. And we anticipate all the great things you've got for us. In your name, Father. Amen. Love. It's more than a feeling and greater than something we fall into and out of. Love is the ongoing sacrifice of our own desires for the ongoing well-being of others. And at the center of the Christmas story, love is exactly what God is lavishing on us all. His love is why he becomes flesh. It's why he lives with us, and it's why he dies for us. That love is what our world needs the most right now. 
and our own hearts would do well to drink deeply from God's love too. It's an invitation for every person and it's here now because Jesus is here now. This is love. Welcome to Christmas. Good morning. Sometimes we forget that the incarnate God took on all that it means to be human. Jesus did not flee from complicated feelings or situations. Instead, he entered into them. He doesn't flee from us either. He seeks to embrace us in the midst of our messiness. The story of Christmas reminds us that there is no distance that God wouldn't travel to be with us. The love of God seeks us out where we are. Because we are loved, we are reminded to love the people of the world, just as Christ loved us in the midst of our mess. We are to love others where they are. Today we light the fourth Advent candle, the candle of love. Love is at the heart of the Christmas story. Love motivated God to give up heaven for humanity to become Emmanuel, God with us. Love draws God near to us even now, even in the midst of our mess. Love motivates us to care for the world around us. We are the beloved of God and we are called to be a community of love towards those around us. God of love, we sometimes forget that you came to earth for us. We sanitize the image of your coming, and we feel like we aren't worthy of the love of God, but you didn't shy away from messy circumstances. Instead, you entered right into the middle of them. Remind us that there is no distance you wouldn't go because of your great love for us. Then give us your heart of love for the world around us, that they may know that they are loved by you too. Uh oh. Welcome to uh, welcome to church. Oh my goodness, it's so good to see all your faces. My name is Garen, and if I haven't had a chance to say hi to you this morning, I'm the pastor here. Jason is another one of our pastors. We got Tim back there as one of our pastors, and Pastor Jen is in North Carolina uh, visiting her family. And so, hey Jay. Um, and so we're glad that you're here, though. We're glad that you have carved out time to focus on some things that are really important. Um, this Advent season is a great reminder of the way that we can slow down and um, truly connect with each other. And so I, it's my privilege today. Let me see if I can get this to work. Woohoo! I get to help uh, with the peace portion. So would you stand with me? Uh, we, we do this... This is a tradition that has been going on for thousands of years. This is a tradition that goes on in Nazarene churches, Catholic churches, 
Baptist churches, Episcopal churches, Lutheran churches. Like, this is a church thing. Different churches do it differently. Um, some are a little more casual. We like going back to kind of how it was when, you know, Jesus is on the road and he's like, peace. And they say, peace, Jesus. And so we go back to the old ways. And so I, I hope that everything is right with you. When we pass this peace with each other, we're really saying, and, and if you're a regular with us, you could probably quote pretty much what I'm going to say, but that doesn't make it not true. We really do pray that you are at peace with God and that you and I and you and each other are at peace with each other. That's the way that we become a true community. That's the way that we change the world and, be, and bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It's when we are people of peace and we join in this peaceable kingdom of Christ. And so I may, I'm probably the first one to say it to you today, but may the Lord be with you. Thank you. Will you turn and greet and say hi to some people? Take over. Good to see you all. So I, I love this. This would go on forever if we let it, but we're going to be doing this later on. So we're going to keep the service rolling. I'm going to run through. I'm going to run through some really um, quick announcements about things that are going on. Um, the first one is. Oh, the big three. We're two down. Today is the third of the big three. So we did the big thing and I didn't get a chance to get a picture in here. But if you're on our weekly email, you saw. Did you see the weekly email? With I had a picture of you leading us in Latin. Um, yeah, it was fun. We sang Christmas carols and we heard stories about um, the origins of some of the songs or some of the authors. And it was a great time. And then we had... Uh, the big serve was Friday and Saturday. I talked with Miguel yesterday, and he said he was so grateful for the help that showed up. 
he said that they were able to get done what they needed to get done and that our help was extremely important. So thank you. And today is, oh, that was Daytona Beach. I, I don't remember what slides I had. Sorry. Um, that's what we were helping with. And so um, you're going to hear a little bit more about our Christmas offering um, in a minute from Pastor Tim. But that's that's what um, our offering is going to not only our serve, but financial help going to Daytona Collab. Today is the big supper. I've seen people bringing in food. And if you didn't bring in food, that is okay. We bring plenty for everyone. Jim's laughing back there. He's like, yeah, yeah, we've got plenty of food. So today's the big supper. It's the third of our big three. We had the big scene. We had the big serve. Today is the big supper. And we're going to have a Christmas celebration. As soon as service is over, we'll be moving chairs, pulling out tables and eating. And it's glorious. If you've never had a P.O. Naz um, meal, they are a delight. I'll just say that. Such good cooks. And so, uh, oh, let me see. I think that's it. They're, they're kicking me off. So here we go. So did you read along as, as that video was playing? So we're coming into this final week leading up to Christmas, and we have our Christmas Eve service. And as the video said, people are open to coming to church at Christmas. And it would be a shame for someone not to come to church on Christmas Eve just because you didn't ask them to come. So invite your neighbors, invite your coworkers, people that you see through this week. Invite them to be here with us. 5.30, hot cocoa, 6 p.m., candlelight service. It won't be that long. People will be able to come, be at church, remember the Christ of Christmas, and then go on and, and do their family traditions of Christmas Eve. So make sure to invite someone, be here yourself, and uh, it'll be a great time celebrating the Christ of Christmas. And we transition now into our time of offering. Christ, God gave us the gift of the baby Jesus at Christmas. And we celebrate that throughout the year as we give back to God what he's given to us. 
And so in this time, if you're online, uh, there will be directions on the slide on how to give. If you're here in the building, uh, you can make your way back to the boxes out in the foyer or do that. Um, also, in this season of Christmas, we give above and beyond what we would normally do. And so we have this uh, last opportunity leading up to our Christmas offering. And so that Christmas offering is where we give above and beyond normal. And that Christmas offering goes in three different areas. Part of it we're going to be using here in the building to do some of the renovations from the hurricane. Part of it is going toward the Daytona Collaborative and the work that was done last week, uh, this weekend. And then part of it goes to the global church, and we're helping spread the word of Christ throughout uh, the world. And so in this time of giving, uh, we will uh, give our tithes and offerings and also participate in our Christmas offering. So let's pray. God, thank you so much. Those words are so inadequate, but thank you so much for giving your son. And we pray that in this time, when people are focused on giving and hope of Christmas, that you will give us the courage to invite people that you will bless uh, the folks who come. And, Lord, during this time of offering, we pray that you will take these funds, that you will use them here locally in Port Orange, throughout Florida, and around the world um, to spread your message of love and hope. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. over here. Say hi to our secret congregation. Ni hao. Sorry. Wouldn't that be a great surprise? Well, let's start off with some scripture here today. I'm going to open up my Bible. Any of you still get mad when a guy pulls out his electronic Bible? I'll bring my big Baptist Bible next week. Anyway. Uh, so we're in Matthew 1, and uh, you know that we've got, a week from now, Christmas. And so we're not gathering next Sunday morning, um, so this is uh, effectively our Christmas, before Christmas service. But this is Matthew 1, I read 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to disgrace her quiet, uh, disgrace, oops, divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will give birth to a son, and you, will give, you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When, Je- when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Well, this is the word of the Lord. Well, Jesus was born into a mess. Wouldn't you say so? After hearing that story, that was a mess. We would have thought, what a disgrace. Well, see, they were engaged, okay? And engagements in the first century were a little different than engagements now. To be engaged was basically a contract between the families. It was pretty much, uh, they weren't like, let's plan to get married, but rather, our marriage has begun. Now, here in America, you get engaged, you get unengaged, you get reengaged, you find someone else going to get, we're a mess, but here it was like, hey, I'm engaged. This is it. You're the one. And we're almost completely married, but that really comes on the, the marriage day. But money or goods were exchanged in that uh, engagement betrothal stage. Any of you, uh, any of you dads out there uh, get any goats when you married off your daughter or anything like that? Oh, Patsy, you had to be rich. All the goats and camels you received, you had a bunch of daughters. We don't quite do the same, but that's how it was. It was very, very serious, and goods were exchanged at that time. So while betrothed, even though the wife did not live with her husband until the marriage was complete, they were expected to live with the fidelity of a married couple. So they acted like they were married, all except for the living together and sleeping together. So it was a very, very serious thing. We have to just understand how serious this is here. And then often, this was a period of time that the husband would build a house for the new family and set up to prepare the wife to move in after the marriage ceremony and celebration. So I did something a little bit similar. Um, I, was, I was an old man when I got married. I actually met Mandy. I was 34 at the time. I was living in Haiti. She... Uh, snuck down to, on a mission trip from Michigan. Uh, who knows what a crazy land that would end up being. But uh, came down to Haiti, met her. We, we fell in love. We got engaged. And before our marriage, I moved up to Michigan, and I bought a house to get ready for us to move into. And uh, when I moved back, I, I prepared it. I gutted the whole thing, got it ready. You would have been really proud, Mike, of the job I did. And this was a big, big endeavor. And you think, wow, you bought a house for cash right before you got married and redid the whole thing? Well, um, let's just say the economy wasn't doing so well. And I bought a house for $14,000. So you can understand, and this is just a few years ago. So uh, if you guys want cheap houses, it's a little colder up there. Um, Anyway, uh, but I thought the same thing. You know, I'm going to have a place prepared for us to live in. Uh, raise a family in before we get married. I, I'm, I'm not Jewish, but I've studied a lot of the Jewish ways, and I kind of like some of the ways they did things. In that first year of marriage, uh, I had taken money I had saved for years and years as a single guy, and 
worked not as much as I would normally um, here as a young married guy, because I was 35 at the time. I was like, hey, I'm going to enjoy my, my first year of marriage, and we're going to spend more time together. Anyway, so while you're engaged back in this time in, of Jesus, you could not be unfaithful. Sounds fair, right? And it was not... Um, if you were unfaithful during this engagement period, it wasn't um, grounds for separation. You know what it was grounds for? Stoning death. Any of you live by those rules still? Okay, good. Well, so if you were unfaithful in this time, you were within your right to take this woman out of town and you and your buddies throw a bunch of rocks at her until she is no more. They do it out of town because you don't want that stuff going on where you live, right? So, Joseph, well, you can kind of see where we were here. As he discovers that this woman that he is engaged to is pregnant. It's crazy, right? Back then, most of us guys, including myself, I'd have been like, yeah, let's take care of this problem now. Um, you kind of grow up with the culture that's around you, you know? If the culture says do it, you just do that. Mary would have been seen by this entire community as unfaithful. There's all kinds of fun words you could use for that, what she is. We might have called her. But she was unfaithful, let's put it that way. And there was no reason to, to think that she wasn't. Young engaged, pregnant. And Joseph's like, wasn't me. This is kind of funny when you look ahead a little bit and you're like, wait, this is Jesus' mom. The whole community would have thought the absolute worst of Mary. Mary was, she was aware of what was going on. You've got to remember that part, right? She was told that this, was be, this would be happening. This was, the, this was God's baby, planted by the Holy Spirit. How many of you think you could get away with that? Oh, the, no, I've, I've been super faithful. You and you alone, buddy. It's the Holy Spirit. Did it. There is no way any of us would even believe this. Honestly, do you think uh, Joseph believed this? Absolutely not. Now, we don't know how Joseph found out. We don't know if she spilled the beans or if some friends or some local uh, gossip got back to him. But he did find out. Now, Joseph, I'm going to say, he's probably a better guy than me. Because we hear in the scripture here that Joseph didn't want to take her out of town and take care of this problem with this baby that was not his, with this woman he was engaged to. Joseph, he was a decent guy. And he's like, hey, I'm just going to divorce her. I think that was actually pretty rare back then, that somebody would do that. Um, But he was a good guy. He's like, hey, I'm going to do the right thing. That kind of shows the condition of his heart if you want to look at it. 
Are there any of you out there, you know, I don't need to show hands, but just think, if I was in Joseph's position, would I have been quiet about it and just divorced her very, very discreetly? Help her save some grace. Help the family save some grace. No, man. We would have made a huge stink about it. I know I would have. Now, there are other women in the Bible that have miraculously become pregnant. Think about Elizabeth, Sarah, Hannah. What's the difference here? They were all married at the time, okay? And so there was really uh, no scandal there. Oh, they had husbands. And whether it was God doing this or whatever, it it was with the help of a husband. So as we see some miraculous pregnancies in Scripture... Um, it's not quite like Mary. But Joseph finds out. He's very, very compassionate. He says, I'm going to divorce you quietly. But this is where God steps into the picture. Or at least where, where Joseph could see God step into the picture. So what happens is, an angel, a messenger from God, explains to Joseph that Mary was not unfaithful. I promise you, it would have taken me a serious messenger from God to convince me of that. And I still would have had my doubts. I wonder if Joseph still had doubts. But I don't know, maybe he was in that, uh, in that culture of less distractions all around, less special effects in movies, less CGI, less all this stuff. He might have said, yep, this is the real deal. I really believe this is God talking to me through a messenger. So Joseph... Trust the angel. And he marries Mary. Joseph marries Mary and she gives birth to a son. And Joseph does what the messenger instructed him to and he named this baby Jesus. Joseph accepted this message from God. Joseph was obedient to this ask from God. He marries her. They keep the baby. They have the baby. He names him Jesus. You know, it probably would have made sense for him to be named something like the son of Joseph, however they would have done that back then. But he was obedient. Well, with his obedience, Joseph was entrusting his and his family's entire reputation to God. You know, it would have gone around town. Hey, and this word's in the Bible, so I'm going to use it. I'll show you where it's at if you don't trust me. But hey, there's Joseph with his whore wife. That would have been the reputation around town. Joseph entrusted his entire family's reputation to God and to what God said he should do. You see, Joseph's faith in God was bigger than his fear of what would happen in that community. I want you to to hear that. Joseph's faith in God was bigger than the fear of what would have been said in the community, what what would have happened in the community. The consequences of living in a small village where everybody knows 
that this kid, well, at first Joseph said it wasn't his, so we all know it's not his, and he still married her. That is some serious talking that will happen, right? Even in our society today where pretty much anything goes, you'd still have a lot of trash talked about you in that, and always would. But Jesus is what we call the incarnate. Anybody here like chili con carne? (laughs) Helps you to remember that. That's chili with meat. Incarnate comes from Latin. In the flesh. Jesus was God in the flesh. God come to earth in the flesh through a scandal. Do you remember in that scripture who it said uh, Joseph's lineage was from? Did you recognize any names in there? David, right? Do you remember what David did at least once? Unfaithful, right? Do you know that the lineage of Jesus was from an unfaithful Pregnancy? Maybe a forced pregnancy? At least a coercion? Something that would be very, very bad back then? Jesus' lineage is not pure when it comes to high moral standards. Nonetheless, Jesus was pure. Jesus was God in the flesh. God's purposes were accomplished Through stuff that just doesn't look good on paper. Doesn't look good in the realm of high moral standards. But God came and entered into humanity in this way. He comes to this world. He's born of normal human beings. Like we all were, I think. Some of y'all wonder. You look a little technologically advanced. I'm not sure. That's a joke. None of you are actually robots, right? This was not a pristine family. This was not a perfect family without issues. Even though we often paint Jesus, Mary, Joseph, this perfect little family, it was not that at all. They were human, with real messy human problems. Even though they were faithful, the path was not easy, and their life was not free of burden and mess. See, this thing, Jesus came as God in the flesh to teach us about real love. I have a couple things from this last week. Uh, I know I shared one of these stories with at least one of you, but um, bear with me. It's, so I, I had some things on the schedule, to some houses to go visit, some things to fix for people. And I was running late one day. I mean, I'd been from... Titusville to Edgewater, New Smyrna Beach. And this next one was going to be way out uh, past the dump in Samsula. And it was getting late. I'd already been out like nine hours that day. And I called to just cancel. And the lady answers the phone and she's super disappointed. And she's like, oh man, I'm having my in-laws over. Man, my, my wife is going to be so disappointed. I was like, Oh man, she just talked about how her wife was going to be so disappointed. I was like, oh, I'm going to dodge a bullet here. I'm just going to go home and hang out with my kids. 
So I went and took care of some stuff, and that went way quicker than I was supposed to. And I felt God saying, I want you to go over there, even if it takes some extra time. Go spend some time in an area that, well, with someone who's not living in a way that you think is the, is the best way to live. So I call him, like, hey, I think I can come uh, fix your oven for you. So I get over there. Interesting place. There's a, they do animal, animal rescue. There was 21 cats in the house, an old dog, and a 200-pound potbelly pig. It was an interesting place. And she was like, yeah, it was supposed to stay really tiny. I was like, well, it didn't happen, did it? But I get there, and we're talking. And we talk, and uh, as many of you know, I have purposefully gone into the regular workforce as a way to, to be in people's homes, to share Jesus with them. And so an opportunity came about, and God said, hey, just talk to her about some stuff. And so I, I dropped the old, uh, that word that, that many people hate to hear, and that word is uh, pastor. She turned white as a ghost, was just like, she was like, oh no. Didn't say anything, looked at me, I could tell she was super, I'm in her house, and all of a sudden she is super, super uncomfortable. But God was saying, love this person no matter what. And she looked, and after a few minutes, I'm still working, she was like, wow, you're, you're a pastor, and I, I told you all about my wife. And she's like, but we're, we're Christian. We're Christian. I was like, I said, I'm here to, to work on your oven. I'm here to do God's work in whatever way possible. I'm not here to talk about your sexuality. I said, that is God's job to talk to you about. It's like, you're a follower of Jesus. Follow him. Let the Spirit talk to you. If at that point I would have said, you're wrong, and blah, blah, the scripture, 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 this and that, it would be over forever, right? That person would have like, all right, I don't want my oven fixed. Get out of here. But it turned into another half an hour of talking about God and where he leads us. And then other things in life had come up and talking about God's love. Um, I don't know what will happen from here. But she knows, as, as soon as I told her what I also do in life, and my, uh, my, my primary focus is to serve God, I think the Holy Spirit hit her right away. And I could sense it right there, and I didn't need to say anything. As God will continue to work in her life, just like he's working in my life, and the issues that I have. Please, if you know them, don't say them out loud right now. Right, Drew? He knows me way too well. God loves us unconditionally in our mess. And he came to earth to do that in a way that we never understood. Not, or most people didn't. I think there's some who, in the old days, before Jesus, understood God's love. But him showing up in the way that he did, doing what he did, changed things where it is much easier for me to understand and believe. Another quick story. How many of you are familiar with the town Casadega? All right. Casadega. Um, 
first heard about it a little over a year ago. I was like, this is a weird town. And I Googled it. I looked at stuff. And I was like, wow, this is considered like the spiritualist center of America. Now, spiritualist does not mean Christian. It means searching for things spiritual. You go through that town, what do you see? Anybody been through there before? You see uh, card readers. Not like skimmers, like tarot cards. Uh, You see palm readers. Fortune tellers, basically. All kinds of, I would just say, weird stuff. Strange town to go through. And I looked, and like there are people, there's movies made about this town. Tom Petty, you know Tom Petty? He's got a song about that town. I mean, this is like major spiritualist center. And it has intrigued me ever since I found out about it. Whenever I get a chance, um, I'll drive through. And I even tricked Pastor Garen into going with me one time, driving through there. It it was weird, right? Well, I shared this uh, with some other pastors I've met from the county here that I get together with once in a while. I said, there is something about that town that I think there is a lot of fear. You ever hear the term, um, perfect love drives out fear? But the understanding that in the love of God, we don't have to fear. And I have felt that God was saying, you don't have to fear this town, this town which is the center of spiritualist stuff, of dark arts. And so as I shared with these other people, they said, hey, let's organize something. And they met another pastor who's got a church just outside of town. So yesterday afternoon, we gathered at this church um, for prayer, for worship. And uh, I'm I'm fairly, I think, conservative Christian as far as like practice. A lot of these guys were, uh, and I'm also, I consider myself a linguist. I've learned several languages. But uh, some of these Christians were speaking languages I had never heard of before. As a, they got a more Pentecostal bend to them. So uh, it was an interesting time. But with our different approaches of coming to Jesus, we were still focused on this town is fertile ground for the good news of Jesus. So we gathered for hours. And I felt God prompting me to go in a leave the meeting at some point, I shared with the people there, to just go to Casadega and walk around and talk to people. Go into their shops that we're not supposed to go into, you know. Talk to the people that do the things that we're supposed to stay away from because it's evil and scary. But here's the thing. The love of God is stronger than all that junk. And what I've found, and we're going to organize more things, and I hope some of you will go with us at some point. The love of God is stronger than anything that any of these people are searching for. And most of the people there believe in Jesus. They have no problem saying Merry Christmas. They have no problem believing Jesus is connected to God somehow, but the problem is that the community that would have stoned Mary for being pregnant often looks like a church congregation today. 
I'm not saying that's you. But the church has driven so many people away from Jesus because the love of Jesus has not been the very first thing in their beliefs about God. Now, I didn't go there and condemn anybody yesterday. It was more of a a recon mission, if you'd say. Talked to a few people, but the love of God will love someone regardless of how they're living. The love of God will love people who are seeking spiritual things that you think might be kind of bad or evil. I and many others believe towns like Casadega could be transformed by the love of God to be the most fertile spiritual centers around. Here's the thing. If we don't believe that a town like that could be changed into a place that is a bright light for the gospel, we need to check on what we believe about Jesus. If there is a place that is too dark to be transformed by God, either we or God has to change. I'm not going to tell you the answer to that one, but think about it a little bit if it's a tough one for you. God came to earth in a very, very non-traditional way to love us in a way that just doesn't make sense to the culture around us, to, to that culture at that time. But here's the thing. It comes down to a very, very simple thing. We are loved. No matter what mess we're in, whether we created it or someone else created it, we are loved. Have you ever been in a mess because you were being faithful to seeking what God wants? I have. I've gone down some weird roads, made some weird, maybe I'd say bad decisions seeking some of that stuff sometimes. Even God's will. The people of Casadega, I really think many of them are trying to seek God's will but have not been guided in the way founded in God's love. But as we try to love, as we let God flow through us, don't forget that God is with you and He has prepared that path before you, before you even started. He just wants us to be obedient to that calling to follow Him, no matter how scary, how messy, however it is. This here this is the final Sunday of Advent. Advent meaning the, the waiting, the coming. We're, we're anticipating Jesus, the birth. We look ahead to the knowledge that we are loved. We have hope when there is uncertainty. Because we are loved by God. Patsy, you... You are a bright light for us. I don't, I don't pretend to, to even imagine that would be anything like you are right now. Maybe in some, over the years I'll mature and we grow wiser. But your light 
and your love has been evident in this Advent season. And I want to thank you for letting God live through you. There are people around us who can show us a path to God when we're seeking. There are people around us who emulate love. And you ever see those people, you're like, I want to love like they love. Look for the source of how they love. With you, there is zero doubt that God is the foundation of everything within you. And I see that through you, your husband, your family. Now you say thank you, but I thank you as a foundation to what is to come. So I want you to know this, no matter where you are, no matter what lies ahead, this is the true heart of this message. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. He sent on purpose His Son to be here with us. And He knew that Jesus was coming into our messes. Jesus on purpose was sent into a mess. And that's so that He might be known and that we would be known by Him. Let's close in prayer. Father, I want nothing more than for us to understand in a more complete way how much You love us and that Your love might look very, very messy sometimes. But jumping into the mess might be the only way that Your love can be known. We praise You, Father. And we look forward to this time of sharing and breaking of bread together, both in our communion and as we share a meal. We praise you, Father, in all things. Amen. All right, so we're going to have uh, two communions today. One is our traditional Eucharist, and then we're going to have the really, really good time afterward. So, we're going to have Pastor Garen, are you coming up? or? Oh, I'll do it my own? All right. So, I will have you come up. Uh, oops, that one's yours, Drew. No, oh, you want to help me out, buddy? Hey, thanks, man. So, we'll have you uh, just do a little loop right here. But, Father, we thank you for your body that was broken for us, your blood was, that was shed to forgive our sins. You have loved us unlike we ever knew was possible. We praise you. Amen. All right. Come forward as you'd like, and we'll take one, dip it, and make your way around.